Heavenly Father, we know that, that our words have so much power. Lord, we know that you are a God who speaks. Lord, you speak and things happen. You spoke and the world came into existence. Through your servants, the gospel was spoken to us in the power of your Holy Spirit. We were made alive in Christ. Lord, words have so much power. Lord, as, as those who have been made in your image, Lord, our words have power too. Power to build up and power to tear down. Lord, I pray that as we consider this passage this morning, that, that you would help us, all of us, to consider our words. Lord, that you would help us to consider our, our words in the workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and especially as is in view in this passage, in the church. And Lord, that we would be a people who would seek to build each other up with your word, with our words. That our words would be instruments of grace in each other's lives. Lord, I, I pray that you'd help us to see that a failure to do that is actually grieving your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you would grant us repentance, that, that you would make us aware of our need for Christ, and that you'd help us to turn from our sin, and so that we would be, instead of inst instruments of destruction, we would be instruments of edification. Lord, would you make us a people like that? And Lord, none of us are where we need to be in that. I pray that you'd cause that, that work to abound in us as you work in our hearts. Through your word, even here this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but names will never hurt me. We used to say that as, as kids. Maybe you said that as well. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words or names will never hurt me. Was that really true? Now, I've, I've broken a few bones uh, over the years, and, and for the most part, they've healed up pretty well. But I can still think, as I said to the kids, I can still think of things that people said to me even back in my childhood that hurt. Sometimes the pain doesn't necessarily go away. Well, what about you? Do you still feel pain over things that people have said to you, even things from the distant past? Now we all know that, that we're called to forgive, and by God's grace we do forgive. But sometimes, again, the pain just doesn't go away, does it? It might grow less over time, but those wounds are still there and, and, and can quite easily be stirred up again. So have people said hurtful things to you? Things that maybe still hurt? Maybe the hurtful things that have been said to you were, were said by someone sitting in this very room, even maybe the person who's sitting next to you. Now, I'm not saying this to, to rub salt in old wounds, and, and um, I'm not saying this to, to, to stir up um, bitterness and, and anger and unforgiveness. We've talked a lot about, about that um, in previous weeks. But I'm saying this to remind us all of the power that our words have. Our words have power to, to hurt others. Now, 
Now again, we know that we need to forgive, and if you have a, have a hard time with that, and please come and, and talk to me after the, the service. But, but humanly speaking, I get it. I, I know what it feels like to be hurt by others' words, and I know sometimes the difficulty uh, that, that it, it is to, to forgive. It's hard to forgive someone, especially when they've, they've done it over and over and over again. But we need to remember to ask the Lord to help us to forgive and, and to help us um, to, to, uh, to remember that we also hurt others in the same way. You might also be able to remember hurts that, that have been inflicted um, on you quite clearly, but, but I wonder how well do you remember the things that you've said that have hurt other people? You know, so often we, we so easily remember what others have done to us, but we forget what we've done to other people. Well, as we're going to go see that this morning, that that this, this business of, of, of hurtful or harmful words goes far beyond just insulting someone. Your, your words have a lot of power and can do a lot of damage. But like this passage also says, our words have a lot of power for good. The question I ask the children, can you remember times that you have said things to someone else that, that has been a blessing to you? Sorry, that someone said to you that has been a blessing to you. Times that, that someone has encouraged you, even from a long time ago. I know I can. There's, there, that's, it, it, I can really remember compliments that people have paid that have really spurred me on to, in, in, in Christian service. And, and some of that has come from people in this very room. The Bible has a lot to say about our speech. The ability that we have to either use it to, to build up or to tear down. Well, do you tear down by your speech? We all do to some extent, don't we? And Paul says, stop it. He says, stop it. He says, instead, use your speech to build up. Like he said in Ephesians 4, 22-24, he says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. And now he applies that principle to our speech in Ephesians 4, 29-30. Again, he's telling us to put off unrighteous behavior, sinful behavior, and to put on righteous behavior. So he's telling us to put off corrupting words and to put on <coughs> words that build up. And then in verse 30, he tells us why. And once again, I need to say this really clearly. He's not telling us here how to become a Christian. He's not saying you will be a Christian by putting off hurtful words and putting on helpful words. He's not saying that. He's saying that those who are Christians will live like this. He's saying that, that if this is true of you, if you are truly born again, if the Holy Spirit is truly at work in you, and you received all of the blessings that you have received in Christ, then your life will increasingly be characterized as one who encourages with your words instead of hurts others with your words. He's saying this is how those who are saved should behave. He's saying this is how Christians should talk. He's saying this is how Christians should walk. And it's a result of God's saving grace and God's sanctifying grace. 
Our speech is to be a reflection of God's grace in us, working in as He works in us by His power. This is not just let go and let God. This is our work because God is at work in us. So although our words should, should really glorify God in every sphere of life, whether it's in the workplace or the neighborhood or the family or, or, the, or the church, the focus here is on the church specifically. And there's, there's implications of that in our families because our families are still part of the church, right? But, but Paul is primarily here speaking of church relationships. He's drawing attention to how our words will affect the church for good or for ill. He's saying stop tearing down the church by your words and start building it up by your words so that you do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So first of all, put off corrupting words. Paul says in verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Now, now the word that is translated there, corrupting, also means foul or putrid or, or to cause decay or rot. The word is used to describe rotten fish and wilted flowers. Jesus uses the same word in Matthew 12, verse, verse 33, to describe a bad tree that produces bad fruit. And this is a part of the discussion uh, of where he's saying that what we say is a reflection of what's in our hearts. So, and, and I believe this is the very reason why Paul is using that word here. So let's, let's go for a minute to, uh, to Matthew 12, verses uh, 33 to 37. Matthew 12, 33 to 37. tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So you see what Jesus is saying there in that passage. He's, he's saying that, that what you say is a reflection of what's in your heart. Similarly, he says in, in Matthew 15, 11, It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. So again, your words are a reflection of what's happening in your heart. What do your words reveal about you? If we're honest, we'll admit that, that too often our words will reflect the fact that there is sin in our hearts. Withered trees produce worthless fruit. But then in verse 36, he says that you will give an account for every careless word that you speak. That on Judgment Day, when we stand before God, we will give an account of every single word. I don't know how that makes you feel. It makes my heart start to pound a little bit. Every single word. He says, by your words will, you will be justified, and by your words will be condemned, in verse 37. Now, Jesus is not talking about justification by works here, or, or specifically justification by words. What, what he's saying is that your words provi provide the evidence of your righteousness, or evidence of the lack thereof, the secondary meaning of that word, 
justified. Elsewhere he says that, that wisdom is justified by its deeds. So it's a term that's it's revealed by, with your, your words reveal your, your righteousness or lack thereof. If your life is characterized by corrupting words, then you really need to question whether you're truly saved. That's what Jesus is saying there. And sinful words don't just defile the speaker. They don't just defile the person who's speaking. They defile the person who is on the receiving end of your hurtful words. And they, in turn, will be much more likely to hurt others and down the line it goes. Maybe you've heard of the, the kick the dog syndrome. The boss yells at the employee. The employee, the employee yells at his wife. The wife yells at her daughter. The daughter yells at her brother. The brother kicks the dog. It goes down the chain that, that we tend to, to, to spread. The sinful words that have been inflicted on us, we often inflict on other people. This happens, again, not just in, in the workplace and in families, but in neighborhoods and in schools and even in churches. Think of, of James 3.5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Many of you were here in 2003 and, and remember quite clearly the, the Okanagan Mountain Fire. It was caused by a single lightning strike behind Rattlesnake Island down by Peachland, about 20 kilometers away. And it ended up destroying 26,000 hectares. And, and destroying 29, 239 homes. If it wasn't for the Lord's intervention in the form of rain and a change in wind direction, it would have destroyed the entire city. One lightning strike. I wonder what fires have you started with your words? When Paul talks about, about corrupting talk here, he, he's not just talking about insults. That's definitely in mind, but there's other forms of corrupting talk, and others he's going to deal with in chapter 5, where he deals with foolish talk and crude joking. Talking about those next week. But, but corrupting talk includes gossip and slander and complaining and insults and criticisms, repeated correction, sarcasm, foul language, and false teaching. And it's not just in big things, it's, it's in smaller things too. The little things that you say can be used to inflict major damage on other people. Kids, that applies to you as well. If you make fun of somebody who's different, when you make fun of somebody who's different, you are starting a fire with your words. When you laugh at, at somebody, you're starting a fire with your words. With the advent of the internet, those, those corrupting words have, have even more power to do damage, right? They, they can go further. It's just too easy to, to hit that send button, and then your words are out there for everybody to see. Put off corrupting words. They are all sin against the Lord, but just think for a moment about the damage that they do to fellowship, which is what Paul has in mind here. Put off gossip and slander. Not only does it do damage to the one you're talking about, but also damage to the one you're talking to. Proverbs 18.8 says, The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. 
put off complaining. Some people have a complaining spirit. They have a, a unique ability to see what's wrong with everything. And then they focus on that. And so when they, they talk to others, they, they, their complaints spill over into their hearts and they create new little fires in those hearts that will spread again. Put off insults. It, it's so easy to let an insult slip out of your mouth and, and you, you might not even think about it once it's out there. But the person who has been on the receiving end of that can feel that barb for a very, very long time. This is even true in, in jokes. Do you ever insult someone and say, oh, just kidding? Well, sometimes the, the truest things are in jest, but look and see, is that person that you, you've made that insulting joke to, are they laughing? And even if they are laughing on the outside, are they, are they just doing that as a facade? They don't want to show that, that you've hurt them. Maybe you've experienced that yourself. I know I have. The sting is then made worse because others join in the laughter. It's at our expense. Put off sarcasm. Now there is satire in the Bible that is and it's there regularly where it's, where it's used to expose sin or foolishness. But sarcasm is, is a different heart. Sarcasm is, is where the person tries to hurt or insult, but it does not come from a heart of love. And it hurts the person on the receiving end is, is your goal is not for their redemption or, or their, their edification. And, and so like insulting jokes, it often stings and it leaves ongoing pain. How are you doing with this list here? Um, I, I found myself, said it in, in preparation for this sermon, I, I've heard many of these things coming out of, of, of my mouth. It's, it's, it's one of the advantages of, of being a preacher. Put off criticism. You know, you can even say something that's 100% true. But it's, if it's still under the category of, of corrupting words, because it's, it's not the right words at the right time, or from a right heart. Ask yourself, are you more aware of evidences of grace in those around you? Or are you more aware of areas that they need to change? And if it's the latter, if your focus is on how much those around you need to change, it comes from a heart of pride. It's pride. Put off repeated correction. It's similar to criticism. This is something you're thinking um, often what we can do with our kids. When we can be we're aware of ways that they need to grow and the ways that they need to change. But, it, but when we just focus on ways that they need to change, it's exasperating to them. It's, I was reading a book this week in preparation for the sermon that, that called, um, I can't remember the name of the book off the top of my head, but, but, it, but he talks about, about our words being, being like a bank. And he says, that, he says that every affirmation of somebody is a deposit, but, but every correction is a withdrawal. So you get the picture. Every affirmation is a compliment every time you, you correct somebody else, it's a withdrawal. And, and, but it shouldn't be one for one. You should say, well, I've, I've corrected them. Now I, can, now, I can, now I need to encourage them. It's because it, it's, it's not, it's, they're not of equal value. Correction has more value. It has more weight to it quite often than, than encouragement. 
C.J. Mahaney, in, in his book on humility, says that, that, that recognizing evidences of grace and seeking to encourage people for those things is, is a mark of humility. And so, I think his ratio, he says in his book, is something like he tries with his kids, to, for, for every time that he corrects them, he tries to encourage them ten times. Now, if you've ever listened to C.J. Mahaney when he preached there, if you've ever met him, that's, he's like that. He, he's just, encouragement just spills out of his mouth all the time. We need to be that way, but we're not like that naturally, are we? We need to intentionally repent of our failure to be that way and to grow. Put off foul language. All forms of swearing, especially taking the Lord's name in vain, it should not come out of our mouths. The only time that it is appropriate to use God's name is when we're speaking to Him or about Him. Anything else is taking His name in vain. I know of pastors who actually use foul language in the pulpit. It's shameful. These things should not be so. Put off false teaching. We need to be so careful of what we say to others, especially when it comes to doctrine. Especially when it comes to doctrine. It is so easy to spread heresy. But, but false teaching, I don't believe, is just speaking that which is unbiblical, but also that which is unpractical. Empty discussion about theological principles that doesn't lead to worship and doesn't lead to change lives is a form of false teaching because of what it does is it makes the Word of God appear powerless. We have empty discussions about doctrine, I, I believe is under the category of false teaching. And Paul is saying, put it all off. Get rid of it. Because on the day of judgment, you will give an account for every careless word you have spoken. Your words have great power to hurt, but your words also have great power to help. So instead of speaking words that, that hurt, we should seek to put on words that build up. And so Paul continues, only speak such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. This is a parallel really to what we saw last week. We, we saw that, that our work is to be used really primarily for the good of others. And so also our words are to be used primarily for the good of others. Have you considered the fact that your calling in this church, your calling in this church is to be an instrument of God's grace. An instrument of God's grace in building up the church. So instead of speaking words that tear down, speak words that build up. Like Paul told the Thessalonians, therefore encourage one another and build one another just as you are doing. And I see some people in this church who are really good at that. I, 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 I get encouragement from, from people in this church. It, it just, it really, I gotta say it, it it does a lot to, to help me in my role as a pastor when, when you encourage me. And I'm pleased, I'm not saying this so that everybody will tell me what a good sermon this was. Okay, I'm, I'm saying this so that you will be speaking God's word into each other's lives, that you will be encouraging each other, that you'll be intentionally building each other up with your words, that this will become the bent of your life and the power of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit. This is what I'm praying for this church.
I know it's there. I'm not saying this is absent, but, but I would just so dearly love to see that this is a place where we are intentionally building each other up and encouraging each other in the Lord. We get beat up out there, don't we? Out there in the world, in the, in the workplace, in, in schools, we get beat up. So may the church be a place where we are refreshed, where, we're, where we know that we're going to be encouraged by the saints. That we're really going to be spurred on to love and good deeds. May the Lord do that in this place for His glory. It's really tied to Ephesians 4, 16 and 17. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, the whole body, 